Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinax. So excited to have you with us. However you're listening on Stitcher, Spotify, Google, iHeart, uh, however you get your podcasts, you can subscribe to the GBB Podcast Network and make GBB Live part of your Memphis Grizzlies experience. You can get access to The Starting Five, one of my personal favorite podcasts. You can get access to The Long View with my co-host Parker Fleming, who I'll be bringing in here momentarily. 3 and D with Ben Hogan, which I was fortunate enough to be a guest on uh, this past week. All sorts of great stuff. Subscribe, rate, review the GBB Podcast Network. Uh, ways to get in touch with the show, you can follow me on Twitter, if you so choose, at Joe Mullinax. You can follow the blog that I am fortunate enough, at least for the next week or two, or hopefully a month or so, uh, to be the site manager of um, at SBN Grizzlies. That would be grizzlybearblues.com, of course. Uh, you can follow our podcast that you're listening to at GBB Live, and you can follow my co-host, who I am very excited to uh, have back on with me again this week, Mr. Parker Fleming. Parker, tell me, on a scale of 1 to 10, because you have been covering for us, obviously, as you have been the last couple of years uh, there on the ground in Memphis, on a scale of 1 to 10, how tired are you right now? Uh, Joe, last night I got home at one thirty. Okay. Um. Obviously, you know, wake back up, work the next day, and I'm pretty tired. I would say, I mean, I'm 25 years old, so I'd only put it like a six. Oh, geez. God, I remember those days. I stayed up. I didn't have to do any work last night because you had the recap and, I did. and Bryson mm-hmm. had the report card, and I had nothing to do. And I went to bed at about one Eastern time, and I woke up at six, so that's about five hours. And I am washed, like just further confirmation that that the time has come to get my wash tail out of, uh, out of the podcast blog game. Um, and you saying you're 25 years old, you know, that, that makes me feel washed too, but I digress. Uh, we want to make sure that we have plenty of time to talk to our guests on this episode of the show. Um, I don't know when my last show will be. We've reached that point. Uh, I think everybody expected to beat the Minnesota Timberwolves, but you know, golden state still up in the air. And obviously the series tied one, one, going out to the Bay. So hopefully I have a few more of these left, but just in case I don't, I want to make sure I'm bringing on folks uh, that I've developed relationships over the years with that are good buddies of mine, uh, both in and out of Grizzlies coverage. And I've got two of those people with me on this episode of the podcast, which I'm very grateful for. And I know Parker is excited too. Uh, First off, well, it's fitting because they're co-hosts of the same same show on sports 56 WHBQ there in Memphis. Uh, grind time from 1 to 3 p.m. Uh, first, Mr. Anthony Sane at Sane Asylum, who, Sane, I think at this point, you and I are, you know, the longest running, you know, back to the very beginning of, and we've talked about this before, you know, Three mm-hmm. Shades of Blue, and, you know, when we were straight out of Vancouver, like that tr- transition mm-hmm. to Grizzly Bear Blues had just started. Um, you know, it's really just kind of you and I still doing this stuff. Sane, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good, man. I won. Your ass better get out of the game. So yeah, you you you're I, I stand true. alone out here. I'm he who remains out here, man. So so if I'm the Undertaker, does that saying the you... conqueror over here? Well, I mean, I know you're you're <laughs> technically Roman Reigns. Uh, you already claimed yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. Is, yeah, which is pretty fitting. So that's fine. Roman Reigns yeah. beat the Undertaker at WrestleMania. So there you go. We're we're losing listeners as we speak, but I think that's fitting. Uh, Sane <laughs> has done an amazing job building himself up. I've told him before. I kind of live vicariously through him. I think. Uh, you know, I would hopefully have kind of done similar things to what he did if I had stayed in Memphis and Sane's extremely talented and 
deserves all the great stuff that he's gotten. And then the the initiator of the GBB bump, uh, I think I have to go back and count this up, but I'm just going to say it. I think he might have the most appearances on GBB Live. It feels right to say that. Mr. Peter Edmiston, how yeah, are you? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. The GBB bump uh, in full effect. Will the GBB bump die when you're gone, Joe, or will it continue is the question. I, I, I think that early discussions are there will be a new host of GBB Live. Um, you know, that one we won't fully divulge, but if folks have been listening to the but show the for the last year, the bump, the bump, the, the, the bump, the bump will probably still exist. The bump okay. will probably still be around. Right. I think it's more about the podcast than it is me. I think it's safe to say. Um, but anyway, Peter saying, you, you know, I love both of you guys in terms of all you've done for me and, mm-hmm. and all the work that I've had. And, uh, you know, it's, it's wonderful to have you on. Like I said, uh, I'm, I'm guessing that we'll have another episode next week. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you guys are good folks to have on as we, you know, next month or so, hopefully close up shop. Um, no, no question about it. No, you picked, you picked good guests and we appreciate it. I mean, I do actually. I, don't know about <laughs> I appreciate it. Same may not. I'm not sure. Honestly, Sane has stuff to do. That's true. That's why we're, we're always, gonna, he's always got something to do. I, I know he's a, he's a very busy man. We're going to keep it around 30 minutes for Sane. Um, so <laughs> Sane itself, you know what I mean? Sane, I'll lead off with you. And I lead off with you because a couple of years ago, you and I had a pretty heated conversation. Um, I don't want to say like we were mad at each other. We just, that's how we talk to each other mm. uh, about John ja Morant versus Mike Conley. Oh, and hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, on one of my last podcasts, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you take a victory lap. That's what's happening right now. Um, and and at the time, which I still think I was right at the time, uh, I right said that you. let's. I, I, I you I understand. I know what's about to happen. Just let me finish the lead. <laughs> Go ahead. At the time, I still think, because I'm very stubborn, that I was right that Mike Conley was the greatest Grizzly point guard at that point because Ja was a rookie. Let's see what he does. You can proceed to dance on the grave of that opinion because Mike Conley is very clearly inferior to Ja Morant. Go ahead. Um, I'll say the same thing that I said back then. Um, Imagine, let's go back in time to 1985. Imagine going to a Chicago Bulls practice and seeing a young Michael Jordan and saying, yeah, that Jordan kid, he's good, but he ain't no damn Reggie Theus. He ain't no two-time All-Star. I mean, what, what are we talking about? <laughs> That's basically the conversation we were having a couple of years ago, man. Um, I'm the type of guy that you can look at certain guys, you know, first day in the gym and practice and tell they've got the goods. And when we first saw Ja in a preseason game in FedEx form, I mean, we knew, man. You know what I mean? And, and when we saw him against Kyrie Irving, block his shot and, and – uh, you know, find Jay Crowder for the game winner and just several, several plays after that. I mean, games after that, just having tremendous plays. We knew what we had on our hands. But, you know, people like you, man, and a couple of your other your other friends, you know, <laughs> want to believe what they were saying. I get it, though, man. You know, something. this is Memphis, man. This is one of those cities where, we, you know, we wait, we wait for the other shooters to fall a lot. So, uh, yeah. But I knew then that we had, you know, a very special player. You were You were correct, obviously. And I think that it's really remarkable to see what Morant did in game two, Peter, the way that he, obviously he's had similar performances in terms of statistical output, but in that moment when, and I think Sean Coleman said this today 
on on uh, the Locked On NBA show that he was a guest on. Um, the season was on the line. Like the Grizzlies, if they go to San Francisco down 0-2, maybe they get one game from Golden State, but it, it seems unlikely that Memphis would have been able to to finish that series if they had lost both games at home. So the season's on the line. The series is on the line for all intents and purposes. And he does that without Dylan Brooks, who I'm sure we'll talk about more in a moment, without Desmond Bain because of his injury, without uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. because of foul trouble and the issues he was having. Uh, He essentially was by himself in a lot of ways, and that's not something that we're used to seeing from this team because of the depth that they have. But he scored the last 15 Grizzlies points, and he essentially won that game for Memphis, Peter. Uh, In your recollections of following the team, obviously we've already kind of established with my stuff with saying there, Ja is clearly the most talented, sure to be, as long as he stays healthy, most decorated player in Grizzlies history. But just kind of put into words, if you can, Peter, what exactly we saw. I tried to write about it for grizzlybearblues.com, and I think I I did a decent job. But as I mentioned at the start of that piece, uh, the, the watching the wrath or witnessing the wrath of John Morant, we're running out of superlatives for this guy, Peter. Well, I mean, that's the thing is that you don't have any around here, you know, in Memphis, we don't have any point of comparison at all. There's nobody that's ever come close uh, as much as uh, the core four has uh, a place in everybody's heart and everybody loves, uh, you know, Mike and Mark and Zebo and Tony for different reasons and all that. And those were extremely fun times. This is a completely different situation. I mean, you're talking about a guy that is internationally known. You're talking about a guy that is, you know, people from all walks of life were live tweeting the 47 point performance last night. Obviously other basketball players like LeBron and, 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 you know, KD and and all those guys were, but you know, you have like, you know, regular celebrities, you have other sports figures, you have, everyone is paying attention. The ratings were huge, you know, for ABC over the weekend for the Grizzlies and the Warriors. And it wasn't just for the Warriors because the Warriors have been in, you know, these conference semifinals for years and years. It's, it's, it's John Morant. So he's a celebrity on the level that we've never seen in Memphis, but he's also a performer and an entertainer and he rises to the level and he gets the moment. And, you know, he's got the the extra drama of, I can't see out of one eye and all that. And how much of that is real? I don't know, but he played it up. It was beautiful. It's beautiful. He turns into, you know, one-eyed Willie out here, just like throwing shots up and it's working. It's a great story. You know, is it, it's like Michael Jordan in the flu game. Like, was it a bad pizza or was it the flu or what? was he hung over? I don't know, but it's a great story. And John Morant now has the one-eyed fourth quarter where you could throw that into the mix. He has a flair for the dramatic, and he has the capability to do insane stuff on the court to back it all up. And the Warriors, God bless them, uh, that death lineup uh, has been death for them. It's been great for for the other team for a while. And for whatever reason, with a, in a court full of Grizzlies that probably can't shoot or do much else, they decided not to really throw two or three guys at jaw. They said, okay, we'll just kind of play this straight up. Great. No problem. Josh said, fine, we'll score the last 15 points and, and go on about our business. So it's like, I, I just, I thought to myself, like, you know, as a, as a kid growing up in Memphis, like just imagine that you're, you have the cave, like you're, you're Parker, you're 25 years old. You're the world's at your fingertips. You got a beautiful fiance. You're, you could stay up till one 30 and, you know, do your, do your job and not be washed and <laughs> not even worry about it. You, you got all this and you get to grow up, you know, in a Memphis with John Morant. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy. Like, you know, Anthony Sane's son, my son, 
you know, those 10, eight, you know, my daughter's seven, like Mm -hmm. they'll never know a time without John Morant. That's an incredible gift to, to give. So, man, I just, there's no, there's no superlatives enough. Whatever happens from this point on, I mean, it's he's, he has put himself in a pantheon that is a very, very exclusive category. Mm -hmm. Well, I think list wise, it's, um, 45 point plus performances, multiple, but for in the playoffs before the age of 23, I believe the names were Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, and John Morant. That's it. Like, it that's not hyperbole. Like that's statistical fact. Yeah. And that's it's, absurd. it's absurd to say that that dude, well, he's the best player on the court in a series with, you know, Steph Curry, Hall of Thompson, right. Draymond Green, so on and so forth. He's the best player on the court comprehensively. It's so, um, remarkable. You know, it's 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 crazy and 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 you, you you can't at this point now you can't put anything past this team i mean i i don't i don't again i, I doubt they're going to win the championship but i how can, you put it, how, how, how can you watch that and put it past them i mean they they, they yeah. beat the warriors with a lot of a lot of things going against them so yeah pretty remarkable to see uh Parker, I just want to get your take on what it's like to be there in person because I know obviously Peter and Sane go, but you cover for us uh, for the site in particular. Um, when you're there and you're watching the game, you always have a recap that you have to do because uh, your boss is an ass, and <laughs> you you have to figure out you know how are you going to put this into words? How am I going to get this done within the time frame that my jerk of a boss wants me to get this done in? And I'm just trying to enjoy this. How do you balance that when you're sitting there watching literal history unfold in front of you? Um, how much of it is, you know, like Peter kind of alluded to, you growing up and loving sports, you know, that, that kid in you comes out when you watch John Moran play. I think that's the best compliment I can pay Ja is he makes the game like he, he's much cooler than everyone, obviously. Like he's Iverson in that way, 100%. Yeah in terms of yeah. just being the coolest dude on the planet while he plays basketball. But he also just plays with such joy. And that really stands out in my mind when I watch him. Just how – and that was what was most shocking about the Minnesota series is he just didn't seem himself. He didn't seem like he was enjoying himself. He's very much enjoying himself again, Parker. And I think that that really shines through, at least from afar watching on television. Does that stand out for you watching the last couple of games for Jaws well there in person in Memphis? I mean, yeah. And first off, I want to thank Peter for the kind words um, about my life and my fiance. But um, I want to thank him for the kind words about my life. Yeah, I kind of got lost in what Peter was saying. Did he like you're welcome? Did he give y'all a couple of babies too? Didn't he say? Did he say something? No, just not yet. I'm I'm not. not, I'm not I thought he talking about babies born into the John Morant world or something. I, 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 <laughs> but, no, I'm just saying any baby born now is going to be uh, uh, okay. I thought John he was Morant putting something on y'all too. Uh, oh, my gosh. No, with, um, you know, with, with Ja, you know, sometimes I kind of think to my – like think a little bit. I kind of was reflecting on this today. Like it, it's hard to kind of contain yourself in a way because, I mean, I grew up going to games. I've been there since they were in the pyramid. And like now I'm covering games. Like I'm sitting next to Jeff Calkins, who like I used to read his columns when I was like growing up, like mm-hmm. since I was a very little kid. Doesn't read them anymore and, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped, it, I stopped doing that a while. <laughs> yeah, but uh yeah, it's it, it's very like, surreal watching him play. I mean, it's just he does all this stuff that we just haven't really seen before in a Grizzlies uniform where it comes to 
you know, the Showtime pizzazz. I mean, he had this that one layup over Clay and Draymond where it looked like his body was sideways, and that wasn't even like the third or fourth coolest play of the game. And then, and then also too, just having that superstar player that you know he 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 gets people in the seats. Like celebrities are coming into Memphis just to see him. Like you have rappers. Um, Ali met a big country artist at the game last night, and Usher. he was. Yeah, T. Morant's long lost brother, Usher. Usher, yeah. So, and then also too, just little boosy badass. Boosy badass. We genetically impossible young lady on his arm. But Joe, you need to kind of at that part loop in the part where Brevin is like teaching Pete how to say boosy badass because that made the podcast better. But yeah, he's that would make the podcast better. But it's it's like what Peter said, like the. He's the best player on the floor with future Hall of Famers out there. And this isn't even the first time he's done that. He's done that with LeBron James on the floor, Kevin Durant on the floor, Anthony Davis on the floor. Um, he, he's just that kind of presence, and he's that guy that we haven't really had before. I mean, sure, you could probably make the closest argument that, you know, in 2011, Zebo was the best player on the floor with Tim Duncan and Tony Parker, but when it comes to like a player of Ja Morant's pizzazz and the way that he plays the game and the the joy that he plays with too. I mean, he's playing with such a joy that people are getting on Twitter saying he needs to stop hitting the gritty and stuff like that. Like he, he's just a, a fun player to watch a true superstar in that manner. I mean, I, I know people who live in like Florida and I didn't know they knew much about NBA and they're like, Oh yeah, I love Ja Morant. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. So, yeah, just kind of echoing all, all of what y'all said. It's really cool to be there. Pretty amazing and uh, very jealous from afar. But I, you're doing a great job for us at the blog. And I, I think that my biggest takeaway from watching it all kind of unfold is, and it kind of brings us back full circle to the first point there with, uh, with Sane, you know, and Peter mentioned it too, I came to be a Grizzlies fan and a Grizzlies blogger, whatever I am now, uh, because of grit and grind. Like that spoke to me as a person, as a fan. It helped me connect to Memphis, all of those things. And because of that, I have been slower to this era because I didn't want to feel like I was disregarding or or devaluing what grit and grind was, as silly as that might sound. Um, that was just my thought process, but I think that after watching this season in particular, and after watching what John Morant has become in that city, Peter, I think you put it really well. It's just a different plane. It's a different stratosphere. It's a different thing entirely. And that's helped me kind of separate and be able to enjoy this more, um, because it's just so different from what that era was. It was a group of guys that, you know, were able to piece together something semi-miraculously and it, it worked out in a way that was very organic and unique. Similar concept now, but it's built around, you know, the idea of a superstar. Things revolve around him. You know, the Memphis Grizzlies didn't revolve around Zach Randolph except for that 2011 series or that uh, 2011 playoff run. You know, Mark eventually becomes what Mark was. Mike eventually becomes what Mike was. They were a collective here, there's still that collective idea, but John Morant is the the sun, the moon, the stars 
he is the universe that the Grizzlies are kind of revolving around moving forward. And I think that that is something that is really exciting because, you know, as you guys kind of mentioned, Memphis has never had that before. And it's cool to be able to say that not only has Memphis not really had that before, if we're comparing him to Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and Kobe Bryant, uh, lots of teams have never had this kind of player before. It's, it's really something truly special to behold. This is a perfect place for a break for us. Uh, we're talking with Anthony St. Peter Edmiston of Grind Time on Sports 56 WHPQ. When we come back, we're going to get the guys' takes on the series so far, how things are going to look the next time we're on this podcast. Fairly sure that the season won't be over per se, uh, because we'll probably be recording Tuesday of next week. But the series is going to look a lot different. We'll uh, get some uh, bold predictions or maybe not so bold predictions when we come back. You're listening to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Molinax, uh, having a wonderful time talking with some old friends, Parker uh, Fleming, of course, my associate editor over at GBB, but also Anthony St. Peter Edmiston of Sports 56 WHBQ there in Memphis, grind time uh, from 1 to 3 o'clock Central Time. Make sure you're checking those guys out. Um, you know, like I said, I think Peter's been on the show more than just about anybody, except maybe Matt Hardlicka. Matt maybe has you beat after thinking about it a little bit. But Peter's up there saying as literally one of my oldest friends and doing this. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool that they're able to join me uh, on this show. And obviously we talked about John Morant in the first segment. Now we're going to kind of transition, switch gears. The series is heading out west, tied 1-1. Nobody thinks the Grizzlies are going to win this series except, you know, me and bloggers and other people in Memphis, really. But there's even Memphis media members that have chosen the Golden State Warriors to win this series. Saying, I'll start with you. I struggled with that. I didn't understand why so many people were so gung-ho on the Warriors, aside from maybe reputation. Because I, I watched and researched for my series preview. Clay Thompson struggling is not surprising me. Right. I watched him struggle throughout the season. He shot 38%. On threes, which is good for you know normal NBA players, mm -hmm. but for Clay Thompson, that's below his career average, and he's shooting right. more threes than he's ever shot before. He's only in the eighth percentile uh, per cleaning the glass at shot attempts at the rim for his position group. Like Clay Thompson is not the Clay Thompson that he was, and I just really was surprised that so many people are so quick to write off the Grizzlies. Um, you could easily argue both ways, I suppose, but being the Memphis blogger that I am, the Grizzlies should be up 2-0 right now, and right. they haven't really played their best basketball. So going into the California aspect of this series saying, what are some things that you're looking for for Memphis to try to get this thing to maybe 3-1 uh, or at least a split to regain home court advantage? Well, they're in a situation where they've got two chances to get one. Uh, I think that should be their focus. I I think that Golden State is gonna bliss us at least one of these games, <laughs> and and uh in Golden State, um they've got the firepower to do it. You just know that that's in them. Um, but I think that they if they can pull out one game of these next two, I think they're in good shape for the series. Um, uh, and I think that would kind of scare Golden State. I think I think if they come out of this thing two two, I think Golden State would kind of you know realize that this is a team that can actually win this series. Uh, in the Grizzlies, we've shown that we've been uh, we've been faster than them. We've been playing tenacious defense. We've been turning up, turning them over. Um, but a lot of these guys who are making these predictions about the Grizzlies in comparison to the Warriors, it's a lot of lazy takes. Um, the Grizzlies didn't get many national television games, so all guys could kind of go by was 
you know, just win-loss records and box scores and things like that, not really paying attention to our team. Um, when you see guys call our style of play, um, you know, erratic and say that we don't protect the ball and things like that. Well, what about the team who has more turnovers than we do? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, we just have a, a super fast place, uh, pace, aggressive style of, of play, and a lot of teams really aren't used to it the way that we like to play. And um, it's working, man. And um, like I said, the Warriors are a hell of a team. I'm not going to uh, downplay them like they're not. But the Grizzlies just look like they are, like you said, they look like a team that's supposed to be up 2-0 right now. And um, if, if we can trim down some of our mistakes and continue to play the way that we're playing, because if you think about it, we had we've had a lot of improbable things happen, but we're still but we're still not looking completely like the team that was making crazy runs earlier in the season. You know what I mean? Because the, the, like for instance, yesterday's game, Ja had forty seven points. Desmond Bain didn't give you anything. Dylan didn't play at all. Jaron gave you you know Jaron gave you a pretty average good game for Jaron, but we still were able to beat them yesterday. You know we haven't seen the game where. You've had a pretty balanced Dylan game or a balanced Desmond Bain game. Um, we haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen Steven Adams at all. You know what I mean? So I think once we start really playing the way we can play and really getting, you know, kind of settle in, I think we can get one of these games out of Golden State and make this thing look like a real winnable series, which I think is very much possible. Peter, uh, Matt Harlicka, I mentioned him earlier, uh, former GBB, or he has a Patreon page now. He wrote about the idea of, the Grizzlies being in a position to be faster, and Sane mentioned it a moment ago too. Uh, Memphis being faster than Golden State, that's 100% true. Your eyes tell you that. Pace tells you that. The way that the Grizzlies have taken advantage of Golden State, you know, all due respect to Clay Thompson coming back from multiple injuries, you know, his career is one that, you know, most folks would aspire to. Everyone should aspire to. He's a Hall of Famer in the future, uh, but he's slower than just about every Grizzlies player that was on the floor that was a wing perimeter player. Uh, Draymond Green, uh, and I was going to write about it as well, and, and Matt did a great job in his Patreon post um, talking about a play where Jaron pump fakes and Draymond tries to fly out to defend the shot, and he looks like he's stuck in quicksand. He looks so slow. And I, I think that, Peter, you can certainly talk me off the ledge. You're very good at that. Uh, shout out Jaron Jackson Jr. 2017 um, or 2018, excuse me. Mm -hmm. But uh, I see them as not fast enough to keep up with the Grizzlies. And that is an issue for them that they cannot fix. The things that Golden State does really well, shoot the three, pass the ball. You know, they are obviously very good at and they deserve credit for that. But Memphis can scheme ways to try to slow that down if they can't completely stop it. Golden State is not going to get faster in the next seven to ten days. I think that's the death knell for them, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I don't I mean, so I, I'm sort of I understand that point. And I think certainly from an athletic standpoint and just purely pace, uh up and down speed, all that stuff, no doubt that the Grizzlies are much more athletic. Not not a little, a lot more, but it's not really about that in the playoffs to me. I mean, very rarely are the Grizzlies getting an opportunity to fully, you know, engage in the kind of up and down dramatics that they might want to. Uh, it's more of a half court game and the Warriors, the speed they have in the half court is speed of thought, speed of movement off the ball, speed of the, you know, being able to 
make adjustments and the stuff that just happens because you've been this core group together for the better part of what eight seasons going through postseasons, they make all these moves off the ball and they are really testing the Grizzlies on a defensive front. I assume that Dylan Brooks won't be playing in game three, which means you're going to put a lot of pressure on Zaire Williams again to, you know, play really well. And he struggled defensively for the first two, two and a half quarters that he was out there. And then he really picked it up defensively in the fourth quarter and, and offensively he was, he was great, but that pressure, you know, to me, you have to look and see, are, are the Warriors going to continue to shoot the ball this poorly? Clay Thompson probably will. I don't think he's, I think he's, if not washed, he's getting close Pre-wide. to the laundromat. He's, he's, he's near. The, the kindest far. way to put it is he spent all that energy and work to just get ready for this season. He's tired. He looks, um, he doesn't look at the very look least. Right. I assume Steph is going to hit. Um, you know, more shots. And again, you saw late in that game, the game was what 92, 91 warriors and the Grizzlies just completely blew a coverage and left Steph Curry absolutely wide open for the easiest three he'll ever have. It's just stuff like that. They're going to continue to test the Grizzlies on each and every one of these possessions. And if you can make it attract me, great, because that's definitely going to benefit the Grizzlies, but I just don't think the warriors are going to go down like that. And so you're going to have to really do the little things better. You're going to have to execute better. Mm-hmm. In the half, or you're going to have to find. Uh, I think Stephen Adams may come into play. You know, in terms of you know setting more solid screens, I think he's definitely got a matchup in the series that he didn't have in the Minnesota series. You know, Draymond is not a threat in the way that Carl Anthony Towns is. Nobody that they play at the five is a threat uh, that 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 uh, Carl Anthony Towns was, or, or even you know some of the other bigs that, that that Minnesota ran out there. So you could play Adams in his role with his physicality, screen setting, passing, that's going to come into play too for the Grizzlies. I think the Grizzlies have a really good chance in the series, but uh, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not ready to uh, count out the, the Warriors to me have another punch or two to throw. And to me, the question is going to be, what do the Grizzlies do when the Warriors shoot 40, 45% from three in one of these games and they kind of wax the Grizzlies a little bit? How do they bounce back mentally? from that they've passed the test so far mentally but that's the hardest thing to learn as a young team fair points you you talked me off the ledge a little bit per usual peter uh parker what is uh part uh peter mentioned steven adams obviously we've had conversations about dylan brooks probably not being there for game three going into the california aspect of this series parker what's the main thing that you're kind of watching for uh as memphis tries to get one of two as Sane kind of alluded to uh yeah, so I I do like one thing that Peter brought up about uh Draymond not being a threat. Uh friend of GBB, uh Jackson Frank tweeted the Warriors scored thirty or sixty three points in thirty two minutes with Draymond on the floor and thirty eight minute or thirty eight points in sixteen minutes with him off the floor. Wow. And like a points per minute, mm-hmm. that was like a mm-hmm. point four difference. Yeah. So just take advantage of those minutes where he's on the floor because he looks to pass far too often. He can have an open lane to the basket, but he's looking for that cut. He's looking for that handoff. Like he's just somebody described perfectly. He's a like point guard, or he's a like power forward Rajon Rondo out there. He's not going to look to shoot. So treat him like that. Treat him like he's not going to shoot the ball. Make him shoot the ball. Um, but I think it's kind of like what y'all said is you got. I, I want to see how they weather the storm of a three point barrage because. We've seen since 2015 what it looks like at home when the Warriors really get going from three. It's like an avalanche. 
Um, you know, obviously Steph Curry, I'm not going to say anything about Clay Thompson for the past two games because my luck, he'll hit seven threes on Saturday. And then they also got a new dynamic in there with Jordan Poole being able to score off the dribble and like a 85% Curry-esque kind of thing. So I just kind of want to see how they weather the three-point barrages because I don't know if you're going to get four or five threes from John Morant in, in another game three. I don't know what kind of Dylan, uh, Dylan Brooks you're going to get. I don't know how healthy Desmond Bain is. So how can you weather those three-point barrages and just kind of control what you can control with your defensive rotations, your communication, stuff along those lines, because that that's where the series can get in trouble. But I'm just saying, I think they'll steal one in, in San Francisco. And I think that that's really important to point out, the idea of we remembering Golden State is one of the more experienced, battle-tested teams in these playoffs, whereas the Grizzlies are the youngest, right? So I, I think that that will be an interesting dynamic as the series transitions to San Francisco. We're finishing up here on GBB Live with my good buddies, Peter Edmiston and Anthony Sane of Sports 56 WHBQ there in Memphis. Uh, remarkable, remarkable work they do. Big fan of those guys and uh, glad we can have them on the show here. We're finishing up talking about the question of the day over at GBB Live on Twitter. How confident are you the Grizzlies will win this series? The four options were 0-2, to two, not confident, 3-5, to five, somewhat confident, 6-8, to eight, confident, 9-10, to 10, very confident. 6-8 uh, to eight was the winner at 40%. 3-5 was very close, second place at 39%. So, again, Grizzlies' blog and Grizzlies' account, thanks to the over 130 folks that voted, uh, folks are feeling pretty good heading into the West Coast swing of this series. Peter, I'll start with you. How confident are you that the Grizzlies are going to be defeat the Golden State Warriors and make the Western Conference Finals? Uh, about a four, I'd say. Um, I'm not. I'm not there yet. I mean, they 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 have done a lot, um, but it's kind of a Rorschach test. These first two games, you you can look at it a number of different ways depending on what framework you're you're looking at. If you're a Warriors fan, you could look at it and say, you know, we could be up you know, 2-0. Uh, you're a Grizzlies fan, you could say we could be up 2-0. It's 1-1, very tight. And uh, the Grizzlies, I think, still have to prove that they can get the win in San Francisco in an adverse situation with a reasonably full-stocked Warriors team. So I, I, I think that's historically in the NBA, that hasn't happened for teams like the Grizzlies at this point in their development. It's been like a year or two later. So I'm still a three, but I, hey, I'm open to I'm open to to being being moved by the Grizzlies on Saturday. They're definitely the exception, not the rule, to this point so far. You know, the Thunder with uh, KD and Harden and and Westbrook kind of come to mind as the other exception. Same same question to you. How confident are you? Um, I actually voted on it on Twitter. I put that I'm confident. Whatever the second highest one was, I'm not super confident. Like I know it's happening, but I feel it. I can see. I can see a situation where Memphis goes to Golden State and we get game three and then they're tight butt the whole time. You know what I mean? Right. If, if, if we can get game three, that swings the whole series. That's, that's going to have you worried at that point. Um, I think they can do it, man. I think that um, people are talking about, you know, Golden State not making shots and things like that. They're flustered. They're rushed. You know what I mean? We we get teams out of their comfort zone, man. And um, I think a lot of people were just enamored by – what Golden State was doing against Denver. But like I've been saying on the radio all this week, we ain't Denver, man. You know, we got actual guard play here. Like, you know, Denver was was Jokic and 
some dudes, you know what I mean? So no, absolutely. Um, so we've got we've got some actual guard play that's going to put pressure on you. And another thing, that's another thing too that we're forgetting about. The Golden State Warriors, de- death pool or, or whatever they call it, right? That lineup. Those guys got to play defense, man. <laughs> right. And, and that defense is wearing those guys down. It's not just that they're missing open shots. They got to deal with John Morant. They got to deal with that. They're, they're, you know, they're they're pinning down, chase, uh, chasing Desmond Bain around all day long. They're dealing with Dylan Brooks. They're dealing with Anthony Melton, guard play. You know what I mean? So that could be why they're not making the shots because they've actually got to guard some guys this round. They're just out there, you know, just doing whatever. But I think they can pull it out. These next two games, of course, are going to be crucial. They lose both. You're down three games to one, headed back home. You pull out one, though, man. It's, it looks really good. Parker, same question to you. Fast. Really quick. I want to go with the six. And I think we'll see a vintage Villain Brooks game. Ooh, vintage game four because he's probably not, not going to play game, game, game four. three. Game four. Yeah, game four. <laughs> we can all agree game four. Uh, I'm at a ten because I'm not. Five. I'm not ready to say goodbye yet. So I'm, right, I'm right. at a. I'm at a ten. They're going to win this series, and and we're going to have some more fun together. Peter Sane, thank you guys so much. Appreciate y'all. Uh, everything you've done for me, and obviously I'm not dying. Uh, we'll we'll be talking still, but I appreciate y'all. Thank you guys for coming on. All right. So for, for Sane, for Peter, I love you too. For Parker, make sure you're subscribing to the GBB Podcast Network. Make sure you're making grizzlybearblues.com part of your Grizzlies fan experience. Again, I, I appreciate Sane and Peter. Love those guys. Love Parker. Having a lot of fun. Let's keep the good times rolling. Let's go Grizzlies out in San Francisco. Grind forth, Grizz Nation. This has been Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Thank you.